Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. All right, new series, new ways, or excuse me, new words for a new year to see a new you. Let me ask you this. What would change in your life this year if you had the power and control to say no to somebody or something? What would change in your life if you had the control and power in your life to say no to that somebody or that something? Because what I find is many of the things that we want to change this year, many of the things that you want to change this year, the things that you want to see God do in you, the the new things that you want to see happen this year are directly related to you having the ability and the control to say no to that drink, to that sexual temptation, to that food. Come on, somebody. To them Krispy Kreme donuts when you drive by and the red light's on. And Satan is yelling at you, buy me. Say no to that feeling. No to that mindset. No to that cigarette. No to that joint. No to that drug. No to that video game. No to that life-destructing addiction or time-wasting action. I have a feeling that many of you today, the change you want to see in your life is directly related to and tied to your ability to say no. And if we were really going to break it down, it's having this, this, these two words. Ready? Self-control. Self-control. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your self-control? On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your ability to say yes to God's best and no to what you know is destructive to you? Paul, whenever he was writing to a church he planted in the city of Galatia, the book of Galatians, he, he was talking to them about this very thing. In chapter 5, what we see here, Paul, he says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So basically what he's, he's saying, let me tell you what an uncontrolled, uninhibited, lack of self-control life looks like. I'm going to explain it to you. Ready? Sexual, Im- sexual immorality. You take people and things and use them simply for your sexual pleasure. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's what we always do. We say, oh, well, if you live that way, you're going to go to hell. Let me tell you, do you know what? Hell isn't, isn't just something eternal. Hell is something we can live in right now. Have you ever heard that hell on earth? Let me tell you what hell on earth is. It's when you don't have the ability to say no to something or somebody you know is toxic in your life. That's what hell on earth is. Have you ever seen somebody strung out on drugs? Never forget it, man. We were in at 
Riverside probably about a year and a half back, and there was this family outside just bawling, crying, just went up to him, how you, how you doing? A pastor friend and I did, just went up to him, just said, hey, man, how can we pray for you guys? And, the, and they were telling us there were these parents out there with their 23-year-old daughter that had just overdosed. And just talking to them and, and seeing the pain and hurt. They were living in a hell on earth because somebody did not have the power or control to say no. That's what Paul is saying here, let me tell you what a life that is like a hell on earth is like, someone that has no control. But then he goes into, let me tell, tell you what a God life, what a Holy Spirit filled, what a Jesus following life should look like, what we should be working towards. Look at this out. Just a few scriptures later, he says this, but the Holy Spirit, whenever you start to follow Jesus, he fills you with his Holy Spirit, which is God on earth. He fills you with it and he says it produces this kind of fruit in your lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So a fruit of somebody that is following Jesus, a fruit, an outward expression of somebody that is a follower of Christ is somebody that has the ability to control their urges, their passions, their proclivities, their feelings, and submit them to God's best instead of living them for what they think is best and what ultimately leads to their destruction. It's the ability to say yes to God's best and no to what brings destruction in your life. On a scale of one to 10, where is your self-control? Now, let me just honest you, in this culture, in the American culture, we've been duped. How? Well, what is our culture built on? Freedom. Our culture's built on freedom. You do you, yo. YOLO. You only live once. Therefore, it's because you live once, live it up. You want freedom. Think about it. You're 16, 17, 18 years old. You want freedom from your parents' rules. You want freedom from having to suppress the, the, the desires and the things that you wanted to do in high school, but you couldn't. But then you get to college, and you can go to the wild parties. You can sleep with whoever you want to. You can drink whatever you want. You can experiment with whatever you want. And it's so funny. So many people are still trying to get free from the so-called freedom they experienced back in college. Is it true that maybe in our desire for freedom, we've actually become bound? That thirst and desire to be free has actually translated into us being so bound that we end up saying things like, this is just who I am. It's just what I do. I can't commit to one woman. Are you crazy? Look at me can't settle down. I can't just have one drink. Are you kidding me? We can go live it up. We got one life. Is it possibly true that in our, desert and in our desire and thirst for us to be free, we're actually more bound than we've ever been? God's original intention for you was to be free. What we sang this morning is God's desire for for you where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's freedom. There's freedom. 
God's original, we see in the book of Genesis, God's original design and desire for his people was to live in freedom. But God's definition of freedom and our definition of freedom are very different. Let me tell you the order in God's kingdom that God saw freedom being. You've got God above you and creation below you. Okay? To where the order goes, God rules over you, humans, and humans rule over creation. That's what he said clearly. He said, rule over the creatures on the ground. Rule over creation. So God's design of freedom is you submit yourself to God, and as you submit yourself to God, you rule over creation and use it for your good and for God's glory. Now, how does the pecking order look right now to many people? It's us, excuse me, it is creation, created, and then creator. Where the very things we were called to rule over is now ruling us. But in our pride, we then want to say, well, I, like, it's like we, we, we have this thirst and desire to be God. That's where we see in our culture things going. People want a vague idea of spirituality. They want transcendence, but also want to keep their, their, their autonomy. They want to have a feeling of that there's something beyond them, but they don't want to submit their control of their lives. So now we live in a world where we, we have people that are controlled by created things. Things that we were called to rule over food. Think of how many people are dying because of what they put in their bodies. Think of how many people are dying because of what? Alcohol. How many people are having their families destroyed because they can't control their sex lives? Think of the families having their lives massively controlled because they have people that can't control their feelings, their anger, and their emotions. It's like the things that we were called to rule over is now ruling us. We've got the order completely wrong. And now what are we living with? We're living with the byproduct of a world that has said we are ruled by created. Now the creation wants to rule over the creator. I think we're all seeing the byproducts of what that looks like. But as Christ followers, y'all, we're called to a higher standard. We're called to a higher standard. And today I want to help you give you three things to help you have control this year and give you the ability to say no. This isn't all encompassing. Y'all know I only get a little bit of time to preach. Y'all help a brother, okay? But I'm gonna give you three things quickly that I think will help you develop the ability to have control and say no this year so you can see the changes that that you wanna see, that you can stop saying yes, or you can start saying yes to God's best and no to those destructive habits and time-consuming things that are ruining you and you know it. First off, grace empowers us to say no. Grace empowers us to say no. I want to dig into this some. All right, Titus chapter 2, it says this kind of weird scripture verse. This is Paul. He's writing to one, to one of his pastoral people or his pastoral friends. He's mentoring, and, and he says this weird conglomeration of 
verses that I want us to dig into and get the power of. He says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't just limit salvation to a few? He offers it to everybody. He offers it to anybody, all people. That is why the vision of this church is we want to help all people experience life change through Christ. We're not going to limit it to a certain color, a certain gender, a certain age group. We want Jesus to impact all people. Why? Jesus died on the cross, not just for a few select. He died on the cross for everybody. And we believe that we have the good news, the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. He says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live upright and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessed, while we wait for Jesus to come back, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem, to buy back, that's what, the, that's what that word simply means, to buy us back from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, that are eager. Like, hold me back. I'm ready to do some good. <laughs> eager to do what is good. Y'all, I want y'all to catch the power of this. And I've been going back and forth how to explain this for you to get it. Because I get really excited about it, but I don't know if you are. So if you don't, at least just say something to me, just so I know you're lying to me or something that just said you get. Okay, but look, grace teaches us to say no, right? Grace means you receive something you don't earn. And you are saved by grace. We say this. We are a grace-preaching church. Why? Because there is no good works, acts, money, time you could give to make God love you more. You simply receive God's salvation by grace, meaning it's not by your works. It's through Christ's work on the cross in your place and for your sin, and you put your faith and trust in what Jesus did. And now all of the benefits and goodness and benefits of following God are now credited, given to you free of charge, not based on what you did, based on what Christ did. So now you have the ability and power to live a new life in Christ, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ did. So now you can have a new, resurrected, world-changing kind of life. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to give you higher-level living. Think about it. Sin at its core is just lower-level living. It's not God's best. And you saw a list of it. We saw a list earlier, and you would agree. People that live that kind of way do not bring heaven to earth. They bring hell to earth. But as the church, as followers of Christ, as people of God, we're called to bring that other set. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. We have access to that kind of life because of grace. And grace, when you think about what you've been given, it's, you think about it, it should almost empower you then to say no to lower level living. Why? Because you've been granted access to higher level living. You've been granted access to have a life of love, to have a life of joy, to have a life of peace, to have a life of patience, to have a life of self-control. So now whenever you have those old feelings, those old desires, those old 
things trying to cringe back that try to put in you, ah, this is who you are. You say, no, I know who I am now in Christ. That's my old life. This is my new life. This is what I am entitled to because I'm a child of God, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Christ did in my place and for my sin has given me access into God's family. Want to, maybe you, you can, maybe this will make sense. Think of it this way. You're homeless. You're fatherless. You're, you're familyless. Put yourself in that position. Nobody wants you. You are used to digging in trash cans to find food. You're robbing people to get money. You're taking advantage of everybody and living a selfish life. You're just trying to survive. You're abusing people, abusing things to get what you want. But then you have these parents come along and they see how you're living. And they go to the proper authorities and and they say, I want to legally adopt him. I want him to be a part of our family. So they go through the proper legal processes. They... They pay what needs to be paid. And so now you go from being an orphan to being a part of this person's family. And now, since you're part of their family, guess what you have access to? Their name. You have their last name now. You are no longer a beggar. You are now a child of them. You have their last name. You have their refrigerator. You have their house. Now you've got your own room. You've got access to their bank account. They buy you things. And the best part is, you didn't even earn it. They came and just said, I choose you. So now, as a part of their family, if you go back to saying, I'm a... I'm going to go dig in the trash can again. I'm going to go rob and steal from people. What are your parents going to tell you? They're not going to tell you, try harder and then you can be a part of this family again. Do you know what they're going to tell, tell, tell you? That's your old life. You don't need to do that no more. You don't need to dig in trash cans no more. You don't need to rob and steal to get what you need. I got you, son. You're my kid now. You got my last name. You got access to my fridge. You don't need no jacked up McDonald's in a garbage can. We got filet mignon in the refrigerator. You don't need to rob and steal. You got access to my bank account. All that I have is now yours. What, what, what that's saying is live up to who you now are instead of striving to be somebody that you couldn't even earn. That's the Christian life, y'all. As a Christ follower, you have been given everything you need by grace. So now you don't need to earn a strive. You just need to walk in who you already are now or, or walk in who God has given you the access to become instead of going back to that old, jacked up, messed up, dead-end way of life that you know ends in death. How does that empower you to say no? Why? Because you see the grace that God has given you. Grace, I believe, when it is experienced, 
when you realize what you've been given, the access you've been given, the love you've been given, the hope you've been given, the joy you've been given, it actually empowers you to say, that is a dead-end way of life. I don't want that. And it's a change that starts in your heart. I believe grace empowers us to say no. Secondly, though, I believe that saying no is a group effort. I believe saying no is a group effort. Some of you are one accountable relationship away from seeing the change you so passionately desire this year. Flat out, because some of you live your life in complete isolation. Some of you live your life so scared to show who you really are because you're scared of what people are going to think of you. And you're going to think, yeah, I'm really messed up. I don't want to get around good people because then they'll see who I really am. Let me just flat out tell you, we all, we're all terrible, terrible. We all have dark sides that we don't want no one to see. We all have things in our lives that we're not proud of. We all have habits, hurts, hangups that we all don't want no one to see. But the issue isn't that God can't heal you. The issue is you won't get vulnerable. The key aspect of healing is vulnerability. And I, look, I, I understand in a room this size with people here, maybe for you, you've been in church and people have hurt you. They've judged you. They've, you've been vulnerable and people said stuff and it really hurt you when you said stuff like, I'll never open up again. I'll never bring that up again. You take it and stuff it and put it a way deeper and the pain just gets worse. The issue just gets worse. Why? Because you never dealt with the root because you didn't want to get vulnerable. But I... I'm telling you, saying no and saying yes to Jesus and no to sin and saying yes to self-control, it, it, it is a group effort. And many times it starts off that way. I tell you this story many times. When I was wanting to, you know, get into the gym, man, like I did not want to get up at 4.30 and go to the gym. But when, you know, I, you know the thing was is I was in school full time. I had kids. I had a family. I had a couple jobs. The only way that I was going to do it was if I had somebody I was working out with somebody that would hold me accountable that, no, if I wasn't there at the gym at 5 o'clock, they were going to call or text and be like, wait, dude, why are you, where are you at, Sleeping Beauty? And I knew that what I needed was a push. I needed an accountable relationship to start the process of putting me doors and down a path of seeing my life bettered and to seeing a goal that I had accomplished. I really believe that maybe what you are having trouble saying no to, that if you started saying no to it this year, is going to start because you are going to have an accountable group. You're going to have people that know your story, that can check in with you, that you can know that they will check on you and see how you're doing. You can't do it by yourself. One of the saddest things that I see is Christ followers trying to live this life by themselves because it rarely ever works that, that way. Saying no is a group effort. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's just pause right there. Saying, let us think of ways as Christ followers to motivate one another towards love and good works. One other translation says, says this, let us spur one another on towards love and good works. Now, I know we're not a cowboy culture here, 
How many cowboys do we have here? I'm not talking about cowboy fans. I'm actually asking about, like, you cowboy fans. Y'all were sad and pathetic today, okay? I know y'all lost yesterday. You didn't see the Rams trying to, you know, ramming the ball down, down your throat, running for 280 yards. You know, you're just going to have nightmares of C.J. Anderson running over you and, and things like that, okay? I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying is, like, cowboy, like, actual, <laughs> sorry, cowboy culture, like, like, you know, um, cowboy hat and cowboy boots. I'm not big on that. But when I saw this word spur, I was like, I know there's a San Antonio Spurs. And you know what? I never actually knew what a spur was. <laughs> never actually thought enough to be like the San Antonio Spurs. Why are they called that? But then I looked at what a spur was. It's something that goes on the back of a cowboy boot that looks like that, that when they're riding their horse and the horse isn't doing what it should do, it gives it a little, it takes that spur and drives it into its side to, to, to say, you can do better than that. You can go further faster. And that's what this is saying. It says, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. I don't, I, I'm not a horse, but I'm just thinking, a spur probably doesn't feel too good. A spur might be a little uncomfortable. And honestly, many times when we've got accountable relationships and we're within groups, do you know what it kind of feels like when someone tells us truth that we know is true, but we don't want to hear it? The truth will set you free, but it'll hurt you first. The truth will set you free, but it'll tick you off first. But do you know what you need more than anything? You don't need somebody enabling your foolishness. You need somebody fighting for your best. You need somebody there beside you saying, you can go better, you can go further. You can. It says, be in, think about ways to motivate each other. Then it says this. Go, go to the, uh, the second verse, which I think is really directly tied. It says, let's keep a firm grip. Uh, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawn. It says, let us not stop meeting together, y'all. It is amazing to me how many people say and how many people that I have personally met that say, I love Jesus, but I don't go to church. Y'all, I'm not judging you, and you might think I have some sort of ulterior motive. Well, you're the pastor. You want us to show up so you can have someone to preach to and blah, 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 and you just, and all. let me tell you this. What I have seen is you need a form of church, and I know there's different kinds now. There's small group churches, and, and there's church, I mean, there's, they got cowboy churches. I'm not even kidding. Down in Texas, they have, like, cowboy churches. Like, they have got rap churches, hip-hop churches. Like, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not bashing what kind of church, but I'm saying this. You need a group of people that you do life with. You need a group of people that in the midst of your crazy, unpredictable, y'all know how life is, right? It's insane, unpredictable. Any moment, stuff could, be, could just go crazy. You got kids, they got practices, all sorts of stuff. They got homework. You've got business meetings. You've got jobs. You've got all of these things going on. In the midst of your crazy, 
unpredictable life, you need a predictable set-aside time that you know is going to be a refuge, a refuge for you that you can come and say, I know at this specific time and place, no matter what happens in my life, I've got a set-aside, predictable, sacred space that I can go and fix my eyes on Jesus and hear God's word preached. I believe that with all of my heart. All of my heart. That's why, y'all, that, that is like, I sincerely believe that. The one thing that I have seen, unfortunately seen, the first thing that goes when people lag in their faith isn't that they go out and start sleeping with everybody. Isn't that they go out and do wild living. Do you know how it typically starts? They stop having a consistent, set-aside, sacred time where they come and gather and worship with God's people. That's where it typically starts. And that's why some of y'all, when I don't see y'all for two, three weeks, I'm Facebooking you. Hey, how you doing? And y'all are like crappy noticed. Or dang. It's, it's not because I'm trying to hound you. It's not because I'm trying to like be all up in your business, okay? I'm not trying to do that at all. But I want to let you know, first off, you matter. We see you. We notice you. And we know how important it is coming together under the umbrella of, here, of, of submitting yourself to God's word, of having a time in worship. Y'all, worship is so powerful. Worship gives you the time and the opportunity to set your eyes and set your sights, not on your problems, but on the problem solver. It gives you the opportunity to, that in the midst where you are losing perspective on your relationships, you're losing perspective on your personal life, you're losing perspective on so many things in life, lifting your eyes towards the heavens gives you a new perspective to see everything in your life more clearly. Like you need that time. Yes, you can do it when you're at home, and I encourage you to do it do it there. But there's just something about the gathering of God's people that we come together, different colors, races, ethnicities, um, socioeconomic back, backgrounds, so many differences among us. Yet we gather in this place under the one name of Jesus Christ. All of us come, we say, we all need grace. We all need encouragement. We all need hope. We all need love. We all need perspective. And we come together and we say, we are in desperate need of you, Lord. I believe that does something to your spirit and to your heart. It's a group effort. And thankfully, as, as you just heard, we've got groups starting. We've got a brand new group semester starting in two weeks, the week of the 27th. And I want to plead with you, encourage you as your pastor, if find a group. Find a group and be consistent with it. Look, if, if you try one group and... You don't like it? We don't take blood. We don't take credit card numbers. We don't do that stuff. Find a different group. You could try a couple different groups. You could, I mean, try two, two like, try, but find one that works for you. But here's the thing. The main thing in groups that we want more than anything is for you to build relationships with other like-minded Christ followers who are on the same journey you're on. And that is why we've got specific things. Let's say you are in marriage and, you, you, you know, you want to grow. We've got groups for that. Maybe you're a guy and you're like struggling with this whole Jesus thing. And you're like, you know, I don't know how guys are. I'm a guy. We can be skeptical and cynical about Jesus thing. You know, we have a guy's group. Ladies, you know, you want, we got 
uh, ladies group, this whole Enneagram group. Like, y'all need to do that group. You need to know what number you are. I'm a three. I'm an achiever. In the morning, I, 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 like, I just need to do something. Make my bed or make coffee. Okay, I did something. I'm awesome. You know, it's like, like you need to find out how God has wired you. Why? So you can love and serve those around you better. You need to learn how, if you are struggling in your prayer life, I mean, y'all, check out the groups online. Go out to the tent. Find a group that works for you. Y'all, saying no, I believe, begins as a group effort. Lastly, and this is the one that you're probably not going to like, but the most important, one of the most important things in your life to help you say no is fasting. That is the one F word, the church F word, that no one likes. You're like, fasting? What does that mean? <laughs> right? Fasting. Fasting is a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice where you take a specific appetite and you set it aside for a certain period of time for the purpose of focusing on God. Now, I don't know, but typically whenever you hear fasting, you think of, okay, well, I've, I've got to you know, not eat anything and just drink water. Y'all, there's different types of fast. There's a bunch of different kinds. There's more than just one kind of fast. But let me tell you this. It's more than just what you're not or what you're fasting and more about what you do with the extra time that you have because of your fast. So, so you know what? You can do a, what's called a Daniel fast where let's say, you know what? You're not going to eat meat, sweets. You're going to kind of focus healthy stuff. It's, it's re that's really, really good. But at the same time, I would almost even say along with that, maybe do a social media fast where instead of finger pounding your phone and looking at people you don't even like and, you know, I can't believe they went on vacation. They don't even deserve it. Yeah, I bet their marriage is going to fail. Glad she's happy. I was better for it. You know, it's like all the crazy stuff that social media, right? The crazy stuff that goes through your mind when you're scrolling through all that stuff, Right? What if you took two weeks and said, I'm going to get off of that, and the time that I would spend scrolling, I'm going to spend in Scripture. The time that I would spend scrolling, I'm going to spend in worship. The time that I would spend scrolling, I'm going to spend in prayer. One guy has said he's going to, he's going to fast YouTube. He said every, every night he goes home and he just goes on YouTube and watches like one hour of like how to do stuff. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take that hour that I would typically spend finding out how to do stuff, I'm going to take it in focus. So look, the purpose of it isn't to say, I've got some spiritual badge that I'm doing better than, than, than that person. The point of it is to what is an appetite you have that you can set it aside and say, I'm going to take this time that I would typically be doing that and I'm going to put it on God and focus. There's power in focus. Light, when it's focused, can cut through metal. There's power and focus. And, and what do you know? As a church, we're starting 14 days of prayer and fasting today. What a coincidence. Amazing. We're starting 14 days. I actually sent email. If, if you get email updates from us, I sent everybody a prayer and fasting guide on Thursday of, 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 of really giving you specific things to pray for each day. 
Also too, if you do want a prayer and fasting guide, we actually have physical copies of them. As you walk out, the ushers will, will have those. If you prefer a physical copy, you can grab that on, on your way out. But let me tell you what fasting does. Fasting, there's no greater tool that God has given us to flex and work out our no muscles more than fasting. Because the bottom line, if you can say no to food, you can say no to any feeling that you have that tries to overtake you. If you can say no to food, you can say no to any sexual temptation that tries to come in your way. If you can say no to food, you can say no in the future to a bunch of different foods. You know one of the greatest tools that God the Father used to train his son Jesus was fasting? Luke chapter 4. We're going to go through this quick because we've got our worship team. Can you all come up to hold me accountable? So I know we're closing. This is, this is Luke chapter 4, 1 through 14 of where this is Jesus. He hadn't even started his public ministry yet, so Jesus hadn't even healed no one yet. Jesus hadn't even done anything spectacular yet. And this is what Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan after he was baptized. So he was baptized, and then he went to the desert. He was baptized and then went into a season of temptation. It says this here. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Thank you, Luke, for that little line you put in there about him being hungry. I can't imagine that. Thank you for that little detail that you put in there, just to let us know he was hungry after not eating for 40 days. Check it out, though. It says, the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written. He used the word of God. Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a really high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of this world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. If I can give it to anyone, I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written. Do you see the devil uses scripture? Isn't this an insane thought? The devil was going to misinterpret scripture to make Jesus fail. The devil's crafty, y'all. He wants nothing more than to see you fail. The devil's quoting scripture. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, but Jesus knew the word of God and properly interpreted it. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all of this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Then it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. There is no greater tool that God has given us for us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit than fasting. Some of you might be brand, brand new to this church, brand new to this faith. Look, we're not trying to make you do anything. This is a personal decision on you. If you want to fast for seven days, whatever. But look, I am just encouraging you. You want to see the power of the Holy Spirit work in your life. You need a period and season that you put aside your normal appetites and say, God, I want more of you. I want more of your word. I want more of your truth. I want to know you more. And there's no greater tool that God has given us to flex and work out our no muscles than fasting. So what I want to encourage you to do to today, the whole thing of of the sermon. I have three action steps. 
whole thing of this sermon that you fall into one of these things here. The action step for some of, of you here is you need to begin or renew your relationship with God today. Today. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day for some of you, you're going to cross the line of faith and you're going to begin or renew a relationship with God. Because you know in 2018, it was a crazy year. You know what kind of year it was. And you want 2019 to be different, not just in your personal life, but in your vertical life with Jesus. And today's the day that you're going to step across the line of faith and make a commitment today. Secondly, some of you, all y'all, I pray all y'all need to join a group of some sort. Get involved in community. Have a group around you to help you say no. But, but thirdly, I'm going to ask that, that, do you know what, some of y'all join in on this 14 days of prayer and fasting that we're going to do over the next 14 days from this Sunday until the 27th, where we're going to, you know, me personally, I've got a, a couple things I'm doing, but, but also one of those things is I'm going to stay off social media. I mean, there's a few things work-wise that I got to do. But if it's not work-related, work, work related, I'm going to be off of it. And, I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to, I, you know, probably spend an hour a day scrolling, looking at stuff, commenting, blah, 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 having fun. But you know what? I want to know Jesus more than I want to know people on Facebook. And I want a season. I want a period of time that I'm focused on that. So I don't know what God will call you to during, during that 14 days. But my prayer is that you will participate and see the power in setting aside appetites to focus on Jesus. And you will see God will reveal himself to you in a way that you've never seen before. Lifehouse family, would you stand up with me? We're going to end today. Really, really quick, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to begin or renew a relationship with God today. And you just want to say, John, look, I, I want to make a decision today to make my 2019 to get my relationship with God new or be or refreshed today in 2019 and that is you just want to say John I want to do that with every head bowed every eye closed a time of privacy right now if you just say John I want to lift my hand and I want to make a commitment I want this year to begin a new relationship with God or restart with every head bowed every eye closed if that is you you'd be bold enough and and brave enough that when I count to three, if you just take your hand, put it up. I simply want to know who you are so I can pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. But if you want to say, John, I want to begin a new relationship with God. When I count to three, shoot your hand up. Ready? One, two, three. Anyone here? Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep those hands up. Will you really, really quick? Keep them up. We just want to simply give you a card really quick. Take that card. We're going to give you instructions on that in one second. Keep it up, keep it up. Ushers are bringing something to you. What we're going to do, guys, is you can put your hands down. We can just have everyone pray and join in with those that raised their hands today and said, I want to begin or restart my relationship with, with, with God. Isn't it awesome, Lifehouse family, that we have people making that decision today? There's no greater choice. There's no greater decision. We celebrate that today. If you lifted your hand up, we celebrate that today. So look. Simply, we're going to ask everyone just to join in and repeat after me. And we're going to join in with those receiving Christ or starting or renewing a relationship with God today. Ready? Pray this after me. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I submit my heart to you today. I declare that this year I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. I, I understand that it is by grace that I was saved. It was not my good works. It was your good work on the cross. 
that, that you died in my place and for my sins to give me life. So now I want to walk in the newness of this new life that you offer. Jesus, thank you. Amen. Amen. Lifehouse fam, can we just give it up for all those that made that decision? Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.